Revelation chapter 14, we'll start reading in verse 1. John wrote, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount, the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, uh, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty, forty and four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now we'll get to the few verses that I'm wanting to preach from. Verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven, and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And we'll end, stop our reading right there. Uh, this is an odd place to stop because we've still got a few angels with a few other messages to go in this chapter. Uh, but backing up to verse 6, <clears throat> he says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And he saying in a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. We began this chapter with the 144,000 that are redeemed from men, that are redeemed from the earth. The Bible plainly tells us that this 144,000 I believe and it's, and it's widely believed these are those that are chosen of God they are sealed of God to preach the gospel but folks their main function or their main uh, the, their main people to preach the gospel to will be the nation Israel because this angel that is going forth beginning in verse 6 he is preaching the everlasting gospel and he is preaching the everlasting gospel obviously to the Gentile nations obviously to all the nations of the earth the nations that have rejected God the nations that have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior the nations that have done the exact same thing that the Jewish nation did but folks the Jewish nation God is not finished with them yet if you back up just a few chapters to Revelation chapter 12 you will see that God is not finished with the Jewish nation yet and he has sealed this 144,000 people to go forth and to preach Jesus Christ unto his people under the apple of his eye which is the nation Israel they are his chosen people chosen from aforetime chosen before the foundations of the world but this angel that we read about here it says that he has the everlasting gospel and he's preaching it to every nation and every kindred and every tongue this tells me that this angel wherever he flies at this point wherever he goes 
in every language known to man, he will speak it in every tongue known to man and every nation that is on the face of the earth. The everlasting gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not more than one gospel. There is not more than one Savior. There is not more than one word of God. There is only one Savior and one gospel. And this angel goes forth across the globe to preach this gospel. Why? Because after the plagues that have been released at this point, after the plagues that have been released, after the things that have been revealed up to this point, after all these things have happened, there may, there may still be some that will accept the gospel. It's doubtful, but it could happen. But regardless, Romans chapter 1, we are left without excuse. As far as the creation goes, we are left without excuse. How do I know this angel is preaching mainly to Gentile nations? Because he's doing it the same way that Paul did it. If you look in the book of Acts, when Paul was preaching to a mainly Jewish audience, he began with the Scriptures. He began with the Old Testament. He began with the law because he was preaching to Jews and he was saying, this is Christ in the book of Exodus. This is Christ in the book of Deuteronomy. This is Christ in the law. It's Christ in the tabernacle. It's Christ in the temple. This is Christ in these Jews. They would have been familiar with the Scriptures of old. But in the book of Acts, same book, when he was preaching to mainly a Gentile audience, they didn't know the Scriptures. They didn't know the law. So he began with creation. Why was that? Because they knew they lived on an earth. They knew they lived in a world. They knew that they lived. They knew that they had dirt under their feet. They knew they had grass in the fields. They knew that they had herbs and they had wheat that they could eat off. They knew they had trees that they could uh, get shade underneath. They knew all of these things. But He had to begin with creation for them because they didn't know the Scriptures. This angel is preaching the exact same way that Paul did. Read what he said, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship Him that created this. Worship Him whom you people out there, you people who have been serving the creation more so than the Creator. You worship the Creator of this world, the Creator of yourselves, the Creator of your spouse, of your children, and everyone and everything else that you know. Worship Him. That's what this angel is proclaiming. Amen. Worship the Creator. Thank you, Lord. Verse 8 again. There followed another angel. This one's coming right in behind the one preaching the gospel. Now listen folks. Before we go into verse 8. Let's back back up again. The everlasting gospel that this angel is carrying. I understand. I understand that the gospel is called different things within the Bible. I get that. Matthew chapter 4. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. It's also called that in the gospel of Mark. The gospel of the kingdom. 
It's also called the gospel of peace. It's also called the gospel of Christ. It's also called the gospel of God. It's also called the gospel of salvation. I understand that. But these are not separate gospels to be preached to separate people. There is one gospel to be preached. There is only one good news that could ever be preached to a lost and dying sin-filled world. And that is the fact that we are sinners and that Almighty God is a Savior and that Christ is able to save to the uttermost. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I understand 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 about the death and the burial and the resurrection, but the gospel is everything that Jesus Christ has ever done from eternity to eternity. It is the story of His life. That is the gospel. If you confine it to just His death and His burial and His resurrection, why don't we just rip out the sermons from our Bibles that Jesus Christ preached? Why don't we rip out the miracles that He performed on those that were sick and those that were afflicted? The widows whose sons that He raised from the dead. The blind eyes that He opened. The deaf ears that He unstopped. Let's just rip all that out. If the Gospel is only His death, burial, and resurrection, it is everything that He did and he is the creator another thing here in Revelation 14 this is the last time that the word gospel is used in the scripture what we just read this angel is carrying the gospel the everlasting gospel the first time it was ever mentioned was where I said before Matthew chapter 4 speaking of the gospel of the kingdom what is the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of the kingdom. That's the kingdom that is promised to come. It ain't even here yet. It hasn't even arrived. I understand the kingdom of God is, begins in our hearts. I get that. But the everlasting kingdom that is promised in the Old Testament, the everlasting kingdom that the Jews, when Jesus walked this earth, that they were expecting to come right then. The everlasting kingdom, that one has not happened yet. So we've gone from a future tense, uh, everlasting king, or kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, and we've gone here to the everlasting gospel that has been the gospel ever since before the world was shaped or formed for Psalms 119. It says that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Amen. And if it's forever settled in heaven, don't you think for a second Satan don't know what the word of God is. Don't you think for a second that the third of the angels that fell with him don't know what the word of God is. If it's been forever settled, they were there when it was written. If it's been forever settled, they were there when it was pinned down in heaven, when it was stepped down, when it was tied down. I don't know what God done with it. All I know is my Bible says it's forever settled in heaven. And I believe what my Bible says. Now, on to verse 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon is fallen. Six times in the book of Revelation is the city of Babylon brought up. Six times it's brought up here in chapter 14. It's brought up again in chapter 16. It's brought up a few times in chapter 18. Chapter 18 is when we finally see the fall of it. This is in present tense though. 
It says, Babylon the great is fallen, is as present tense. And he says it twice, is fallen, present tense, but we don't see it fall for two more chapters. Why is that? Because this angel's proclaiming, hey, God is saying that city's coming down. And if God proclaims something, it's as good as done. That's why the angel puts it in the present tense. And he's giving warning to these people. The first angel preached the everlasting gospel, hoping that others would be saved. This one is saying what you've been depending on. The beast you'll be depending on the mark you'll be depending on all of these things you'll be depending on they will come to naught that's why he's giving the warning right he's giving the warning why Babylon though says that the nations of the earth the cities everyone every nation including right here in the good old US of A I love my country I'm one of the most patriotic people you'll ever meet the folks we're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah and Sodom Yes, sir. We're, we are worse than any city you can read about in the scriptures. You're right. We're, we're worse than that as far as our sin goes. But judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. The gospel is still being preached. People are still given opportunity to repent and to turn to Christ for salvation. People are still being given opportunity to turn away from their ways and turn to the ways of Almighty God. They are still being given that opportunity. But why this city Babylon? Because Babylon is where it all began. That was the first organized religion that ever happened. Do you remember a fellow over in Genesis chapter 10 named Nimrod? Yes, sir. Nimrod. He's the one that created Babylon. He's the one that created Babylon. Right. Later created Syria. And he created a couple other cities. One was called Akkad, and I can't remember what the other one was called. But he created several cities. Nimrod, and in Hebrew, means to rebel. And that's what he was. He was a rebel against God. It says, the scripture says, in Genesis 10, it says he was a mighty hunter. It doesn't say what he was a mighty hunter of. I assume it was animals. Because in the previous chapter, Genesis chapter 9, that's when God gave man permission to begin eating meat from the animals. And it says that Nimrod was a mighty hunter. So, when God disperses, Noah and his family, Noah and his wife, Ham and his wife, Shem and his wife, Japheth and his wife, when Noah disperses them, and he says, go and fill the earth, re replenish the earth, re repopulate the earth, you all go out, you refill the earth. And it goes through all these generations here. Nimrod shows up. Nimrod shows up. I believe he was the seventh mother six born of Cush. But either way, he shows up. And he was a rebel against God. He gathered everyone on earth. The Bible says it was all of them. You go back and you read Genesis 11, where the, the Tower of Babel will count. What does God say? He says, let us go down. Let us see what they're into. Let us see what they're into. God didn't have to come down, but this was personal against God. Hey, God, in Genesis 6, Genesis 7, and Genesis 8, God had destroyed the entire world because of sin. Right. Three chapters later, you see the world rebelling against him. Three chapters! They're rebelling against him, the entire world. Now, I, remember, I know there's several generations in those chapters, but folks, that ain't much time. That ain't much time. And the entire world was rebelling against him. And what did God do? He come down, he confounded the languages, and he dispersed the people. He forced them to go into different places. 
He forced them to go all over the globe. He forced them to go east. He forced them to go north. He forced them to go south. And he forced them to go west. He forced them to go, hey folks, if I can't speak the language that you speak, we are going to have nothing in common. You're going to get with the people that speak like you do. You're going to get with the people that you can understand. And that's why God confounded the languages. But Nimrod, Nimrod died. We don't know precisely what killed him. There's two different stories out there. One was a giant Egyptian man killed him. Two was a wild beast killed him. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that Nimrod died. What you don't know, what's not in your Bible, is he had a wife. And her name was Semiramis. And she was an evil, wicked woman. We know this from ancient tablets. And we know, we know this from, from Assyrian culture. We, we, we know all these things. Semiramis had a child. After Nimrod died, she became with child. Because she was afraid she would lose her status as goddess. She became a child. And she claimed that that child was conceived by a sunbeam. What does that sound like? That sounds like immaculate conception. That sounds like Satan knowing the story. That sounds like Satan knowing the story of the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ. And a little virgin girl named Mary from the town of Bethlehem. She claimed that this child was conceived by a sunbeam. You know what that child's name was? You read it one time in Scripture, in the book of Ezekiel. You read where Ezekiel is given a vision. And you read where God shows him the people, the women, I'm sorry, the women, on the porch of the temple. And they were weeping for Tammuz. That was Semiramis' child. And he was a god. What happened when God when God went down to the languages? Tammuz became Baal. When every time you read the word Baal in your Bible, it's talking about the child of Nimrod or of Semiramis. It's talking about her child, Tammuz. When God confounded the languages, this happened. But what, what happened during all this time when Nimrod was still alive? He created a government. He created a religion. He created a rebellion against God. That's why this all goes back to Babylon. And when the and when the nations and when the nations began, after God confounded the languages and the people dispersed, hey folks, the people, like I said, they went everywhere. They, they went all over the globe. They even came over here to the Americas. Hey, we've got proof of it. We've got cave drawings. We've got uh, we've got architecture. We've got cigarettes, just like they've got over in the Middle East. The people dispersed everywhere, but they spoke of different languages. But what did they bring with them? They brought their religion. All religion, all false religion, boils back to Babylon. It boils back to Babylon. That's why in, in chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, she's called Mystery Babylon. All the mystery religions of the world, all the Hindu mysticism, all the Far East mysticism, all, all of the, uh, everything, folks. You look at Native American culture, you look at Native American, uh, what, what we call mythology, everyone had multiple gods that were polytheistic. The Greeks were polytheistic. The Romans were polytheistic. The Mexicans, uh, the Aztecs and the Incas, they were all polytheistic. They had multiple gods that all stemmed from a place called Babylon. In the Bible. Right. That's why. That's why the beast's seat here on earth will be Babylon. Because he got all that rebellion against God started. Now listen, I understand. I understand Genesis chapter <coughs> 6. 
I understand that. Now, you, you go back to these 144,000 we just read about a few minutes ago. People say, oh my goodness. It says they were without fault before the throne of God. How could that be said about anybody? About anybody. How could that be said about me? How could that be said about you? Ain't but one way, folks. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is through His precious blood. And that is the only way that that can happen. That they were found without fault before the throne of God. But what about back in the Old Testament? What about in Genesis 6? What about when God says, I'm going to destroy the entire world. I will cause a flood. Hey, he didn't say it's going to rain and there's going to be a flood. He said, I, even I will cause a flood to come upon the face of the earth. I will break up the fountains of the deep. I will do this thing. It was personal against God the way that man was acting. Same reason he called Moses. I'm coming down there. Coming down. You read over in the book of Exodus. It was personal against God, the way the Egyptians were treating his people. God came down himself. I've never read the first thing in Scripture. Never read the first word in Scripture about a death angel. But I read where God says, I will come through Egypt this night. I will smite the firstborn. God says, I will do this thing. It was personal with God. It was personal with him. But in Genesis 6, we see God making a promise He's going to kill the world. He tells Noah to get prepared for it. We see that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Genesis 6, 8 says that, uh, or Genesis 6, 9 says that Noah was a perfect and upright man. But just but how did he get to that in Genesis, Genesis 6, uh, Genesis 6, 8? Go back to 6, 8. Because he found grace in the eyes of God. That's the only way you will ever seem perfect, be seen perfect and upright. That's the only way I will ever be seen as perfect and upright. This angel's flying through the air, proclaiming the everlasting gospel, hoping that someone will receive it, hoping that someone will hear it. Because the entire world has rejected it. Hey folks, listen. This is basically the time that we're living in now. How long has evolution been being taught in our schools? I remember it being taught 30 years in high school. Not real hot and heavy like it is now. But I remember it being brought up. And it's gotten worse. As far as Sunday school went, teaching the little kids a few things. that bring them children in your classroom. And you having them... Uh, uh, color a picture of Noah's Ark is going to combat the vomit that they're being taught in the public schools nowadays. If you think that that's going to combat the fact that a 14-year-old girl can go and get birth control without her parents' consent. If you think it's going to combat a woman going into a clinic and paying a man $400 to chop her child into pieces, it's not! And shame on the church for thinking so! If we're not teaching them about Christ, if we're not teaching them about salvation, if we're not teaching them that man is sinners and God is a Savior, if we're not teaching them those things, we are wasting our time. We're wasting everybody's time if we're not teaching those things. 
These things must be taught and they must be preached. Men must be preached a sinner and Christ must be preached a Savior. And that is the only way that man will ever be saved is to be brought to the knowledge that he is a sinner, that he is on his way to hell, that he is part of the Babylonian system that we've been talking about here and that God is his only way out of that mess. Period. There ain't no ifs, ands, and buts to that, folks. It is period. We've got to teach and we have got to preach what the Bible teaches and what the Bible preaches. We are sinners. And Christ gave His life that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Praise God for that gift. Praise God for that way that was made that I, a sinner, could be saved. That you, a sinner, could be saved. But we must pass it on. We have got to pass on the Scriptures. We've got to pass on the accounts. Hey, do like God told the Jews to do over in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. He said, let it be a frontlets between your eyes. You bind it to your wrist. He was talking about the Word of God. He was talking about the law. He was talking about the things that He had personally told the children of Israel. And what do we do to pass it on? What do we do to pass it on to our children? or our grandchildren, or nephews, or nieces. Not enough. Not enough. And I'm in that boat with you. Following another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. That great city. Babylon is referred to, as I've already said, six times in the book of Revelation. She's referred to that great city a couple of different times. She's referred to as Mystery Babylon. She's referred to as Babylon the Great. But if you flip over there to Revelation 18 sometime, you'll read about the destruction that finally comes on Babylon. And I said, folks, that ain't just a city. That is a city. That is a government. That is a religion, a false religion. Folks, that's the one world religion that we've heard about all of our lives. That's the one world government that we've heard about all of our lives. And that's a one world currency that's soon to come in our future. I believe that this generation that's living right now is going to see that. Right. We're already well on our way. Every time I pull up to a gas pump that says no cash accepted, I praise God. Because I know I'm a step closer to God calling the church out. I praise God when I see those things. But you read in Revelation chapter 18, you read about the destruction of Babylon. And you read about the merchants. And you read about the shipmen. And you read about the, the sellers. The sellers of fine linen. You read about all these people that took up their abode in Babylon. And what are they doing? They're mourning. They're mourning. This is two chapters after where we read from tonight. Actually, it's four chapters after where we read from tonight. They're mourning after the gospel's done been preached, after the everlasting gospel has been preached by an angel. After another angel has come by and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. You get to Revelation 18, you see the same word pronounced. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Except that time, there wasn't a warning that it was going to happen. There wasn't a promise that it was going to happen. It was happening right then. And the people of that city were mourning. They were crying. They were saying, oh, how great a city she was. Oh, how, 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 how great, you know, how, what are we going to do now is basically what that scripture comes to. Those people, I dare say, are in the ship of the folks 
that took the mark of the beast to begin with. Folks, when you take the mark of the beast, and you read about that very, very near where we're at here in the scripture, Revelation 14, you read about that mark. You take it, there's, there's no hope for you. There is no hope for you whatsoever Amen. if we take that mark, if you take that mark. Now, thankfully, my understanding of scripture, come to Revelation chapter 4, I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't have to see this. My Bible says I'm not appointed unto wrath. Right. My Bible says I'm going home. My Bible says I'm a, I might very well hear a voice one of these days. It says, Arise, my love, arise, my fair one, and come away. Yes. That's one of the most beautiful words in the Song of Solomon. I think it pictures the rapture Amen. myself. Amen. But, folks, if my understanding of Scripture is correct, I won't be here when this is going on. But I pray for the ones that are. Oh, yeah. I pray for those that are. I pray, I pray right now for our own country. I pray that God be merciful to our country. I pray that God be merciful to, our, to the remnant that He's got here. He don't have many left here. He don't, he don't have many left on planet Earth at all as compared with the worldwide population of almost 8 billion people now. There's not many true blue Christians. Look, there's a lot of people saying that they're Christians. There's a lot of people saying that this Babylonian system that is coming into play, it's going to swallow up. It's going to swallow up every denomination that you know. It's going to swallow up the Baptist. It'll swallow up the United Methodist. It'll swallow up the Evangelical Methodist and the Wesleyan Methodist and the Free Will Baptist and the Pentecostals and the Holiness and the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians. Every single denomination you have ever known in your life will be swallowed up by this one world religion. Yes, sir. And we see it happening right now. You see... Evangelical leaders. And folks, I ain't talking about just in the last year or two. I'm talking about over the past 30 or 40 years. You don't believe me? Go, go home and look it up on YouTube. There's old videos of it. Of old evangelical leaders partnering with the Catholic Church. Now listen, I ain't saying we should hate them. I ain't saying that at all. But we don't mesh. I don't pray to Mary. And I don't depend on Mary to make intercession for me. Amen. I don't believe the way that they do. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father. And I believe that He died for Mary's sins just as much as He did mine. Yes, sir. Folks, we don't mess with that. No, we don't. We can't mess with that. You see, all this call, all this call for the, the unification of the church folks that's dangerous. Now the true blue church, those are truly born again. We should be unified. Yes, sir. We absolutely should be unified. Uh, and that's part of the scripture. My goodness, I can point you all kinds of directions of scripture. Jesus Christ preached about in the gospel of Matthew. He preached about in the gospel of John. Paul preached about it all throughout his epistles. Folks, it's all over the scriptures that we should be unified. We are the body of Christ is the head. I don't care what part of the body you are. You might be a toe. You might be a knee. You might be a spleen. But either way, you are needed in the body of Christ. Amen. We're to be united and one we're united in one common cause. And that is to glorify Christ. Yes, sir. That is to glorify Christ. You ask most church members, what's the what's the purpose of the bride of Christ? What's the purpose of the church? They'll say to feed the hungry, to clothe those, to help the needy, 
to do this and to do that. Our main goal, our main function is to glorify Christ. Yes. We glorify Christ by bringing the lost to Christ. Amen. We, we preach the gospel. We teach the gospel. We teach men that they're sinners and that God is a Savior. We do these things. And in all that, we glorify Jesus Christ. And we, we, we further the cause of his kingdom that is promised to come. We do these things. But our number one priority is to glorify God and to glorify Jesus Christ. These people in Babylon have no clue in the future. They will have no clue in the future. They had no clue in the book of Genesis at the Tower of Babel. They just knew that someone had told them. Someone had told them. And listen, going back to Nimrod again. If Nimrod was the mighty hunter, and the Bible says he was, and if it was talking about animals, and I believe that it was, all these people were saying, we're running out of food. Remember, hey, the herbs and the plants of the field were given to men to eat until no one had poisoned their wives stepped off the ark. The meat was running out. And Nimrod was a mighty hunter. I think that's how he drew people to him. I think that's how he got it all started. He said, hey, I can kill animals. I know how to skin them. I know how to gut them. I know how to cook them. I know how to do everything you want to do. And before you know it, he has a follower. And he began building these cities. He was a great man. He was a mighty man. But he was rebellious toward God. And he taught everyone else to be rebellious toward God. If some people had just been down there playing around, doing their thing, God would still not have been pleased with what they were doing because God gave commandment. You disperse. You fill the earth. And this was a rebellion against God. We'll stay right here. He can't tell us where to go. In fact, we're going to build a tower that reaches under the heavens. We'll go under the heavens and we'll take over heaven and we'll be the ones that call the shots. That was rebellion against the Maker. This angel was proclaiming the everlasting gospel, which includes the gospel of creation. God is the creator. Because God is the creator, he has every right to tell you what to do and to tell me what to do. He has every right to do whatever with whomever he wishes. Because he is the creator. These people, not only in Revelation, but the ones in Genesis too, they hated that aspect of God. They hated the thought that God could rule them. That, that God would govern them. And they would rather have a man such as themselves, such as Nimrod. They would rather have a man do it as opposed to God. Kind of reminds me of, of uh, in the Gospels. Reminds me of a man named Barabbas that was released. Jews would rather have him. Right. The Jews would rather have had Barabbas, an insurrectionist and a murderer, as opposed to having a man that no guile would ever have in his mouth. They would rather have sinful man as opposed to sinless man. They would rather have imperfection as opposed to perfection. And that's exactly what the people at the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis preferred, and that's exactly what these in the book of Revelation will prefer in the future. And like I said, folks, we see it right now. They teach evolution. They teach all manner of wickedness is okay. The Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and call good evil. 
Lord, and folks, that's what we see all the time. We're seeing it constantly. Folks, it didn't start with Madeline Murray O'Hare. It didn't start with that woman trying to get prayer taken out of school. I'll tell you where it started. It started with daddy coming home from work and saying, I'm too tired to go to church tonight. It started with mama saying, well, daddy's too tired to go to church. I ain't loading them kids up myself. I ain't taking them to church because he's not going to be there to help me. And it started with the kids that were raised in homes like that. It starts with, it started with them saying, well, mom and daddy didn't care if I went to church. Why would I care if I went to church? That's where it started. It started in the homes long before still in the homes. And now, now we have a society that is going to do exactly, or that is doing exactly what Babylon in the future will be doing. It's advertising. It's drawing them in with excitement. It's drawing them in with eliteness. It's drawing them in with things that are not of the gospel. It's drawing them in with lights. It's drawing them in with entertainment. It's drawing them in with all these things. But it's not drawing them into Christ. It is not drawing, it's not the Holy Ghost drawing them in. Joseph and I were talking before service tonight. And uh, he was saying how even when you offer food at their service, it don't seem like many people shows up anymore. My goodness, I remember if you wanted a house packed full, that's all you had to do was say we're having food after service, we're having a luncheon after service. My goodness, you wouldn't be able to contain all the people in the church. Amen. On the flip side of that coin, if you want a minimal attendance, tell them you had your foot washing. People don't want to do the things. People don't want to do the things in the Bible. They don't want to do the things in the Bible. That includes evidently now not having food, not, not having fellowship with your brothers and your sisters in Christ. That's all that is. That's that's all that is. When there's a luncheon that takes place, well, that should be a time of fellowship. The Bible says you know you're passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. And if you love the brethren, you want to be where the brethren are at. You want to do what the brethren are doing. If the brethren are singing, you want to sing with them. If they're praising God, you want to praise God with them. If they're mourning, you want to mourn with them because the Bible says you will. Amen. Well, I said, it didn't start with Madeline Murray O'Hare. I've heard so many people in the past 12 years, going on 13 years that I've been saved. I've heard so many people say, well, it started with that woman in the 60s and 70s. That Madeline woman. It started long before that. It started long before that. We can't point our finger at her. We can point our finger at ourselves. I was raising boys before I got saved out of church. I'd come to their services. I'd come to their programs. I'd come to this and come to that. In fact, that's where I fell under conviction was at a Christmas program that was put, right, put on right here at this church. I fell under conviction then, left it alone, come back to church two or three weeks later, fell under conviction again, left it alone, come back to church a week later, and God chased me for three days after that and saved my soul. Thank God. But folks, <coughs> these people in Babylon in past... And in the future, they're going to be depending on something that cannot help them. That cannot help them. Even though the gospel was preached, and the Bible says it's the everlasting gospel. Folks, that is the, the gospel that has been in play since the beginning of time. The gospel, that it's the same gospel that was pronounced in Genesis chapter 3. God told the serpent, said, you'll bruise his heel. He said, I'll put him between thee and the, uh, thee and the woman. He said, you'll bruise his heel. 
Hillbridge or Hillbridge It was a gospel being preached. We, we, we just came out of the Christmas season. We just came out of the season where we tell everybody about the birth of Jesus Christ. But did we tell them why he was born? That's what matters. Right. The birth is great. And I thank God that he was born. But did you tell them about Isaiah 53? Did you tell them about the suffering servant? Did you tell them about how he took the chastisement of their peace upon him? About how he was bruised for their iniquities? About how he took the beating that he did for their transgressions? Did you tell them that with his stripes you are healed? With his stripes we're all healed. We are spiritually healed from sin. Did we leave that part out? Because that's what matters. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. He could have been born and he could have died of a heart attack and he could have and, and that would have been it. That would have done me or you none no good. He could have died of old age. It would have done us no good. These people of Babylon have been and will be sucked into a religious system that has nothing to do with Christ. Right. But they'll be fooled into thinking that it does. They'll be fooled into this. They'll be fooled into thinking this religion is the way to go. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, great-grandma, great-grandpa, they were all wrong. This is the way to go. Because look at this city where this religion is seated. Look at Babylon the Great. Look at her. Look how great. Look how magnificent. That's the kind, that's the kind of culture that the kids and many adults are being drawn to now. And listen, hey, I got no problem with worshiping God. I got no problem with 5,000 people in one place worshiping God or 10,000 people. If a church can hold them, God bless them. As long as the gospel's being preached, right. and as long as they are truly worshiping God. But I guarantee you, most churches where you see the congregations going through the roof, where you see the numbers going through the roof, are not preaching the gospel. They are not preaching against sin. Right. They are not preaching that Christ is the only way to heaven. These people that were in Babylon and will be in Babylon and from Babylon and buying and selling in Babylon and doing all these other things, they will be fooled into thinking that their religion is the only way to go. And that's not the case. They're being fooled right now. Amen. Folks, the gospel was preached. You remember that. The gospel was preached. And the warning was given Given your system is falling. Babylon is falling, is falling. Revelation 14, Revelation 18, we see it happening, and the people are mourning over it. That's scary. It's scary that that many people had that much warning. And it don't matter what tongue they spake in. The Bible says it was every nation, every kindred, and every tongue that this angel was proclaiming the everlasting gospel. They knew the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. They knew what it was. And they knew that this lie they had been following in Babylon was just that. That it was a lie. That it was coming to naught. That it was being destroyed. That the judgment of God was going to destroy it. And yet they mourned for it. That's scary. It is scary that people think that way. 